Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. From One King West Hotel in downtown Toronto, welcome to the Empire Club of Canada. For those of you just joining us through either our webcast or our podcast, welcome to the meeting. Before our distinguished speaker is introduced today, it gives me great pleasure to introduce our head table guests. I would ask each guest to rise while your name is called and then uh, and then remain standing and I would ask the, um, the audience to refrain from applauding until all the head table guests have been introduced. Our first guest, of course, is Mr. Josh Blair, the Executive Vice President, TELUS Health and Chief Corporate Officer, TELUS. Ms. Janet Grove, Managing Partner, Norton Rose Fulbright with the Vancouver office. Ms. Andrea Wood, a past president of the Empire Club of Canada and the Senior Vice President, Legal Services of TELUS. Dr. Doug um, August Garden, Chief Department of Critical Care, Royal Victoria Regional Health Centre in Barrie. Mr. Andrew Morant, Key Account Director at Oracle. Ms. Mary Jo Haddad, Corporate Director at TELUS and TD Barrett Group. President, MJH and Associates, past President and CEO of the Hospital for Sick Children. Ms. MJ Perry, PhD student, Theology, Vice President and Owner, Mr. Discount Limited, and Director of the Empire Club of Canada. Mr. Orestes, Orestes Papas Paracas, Partners, oh, I apologize for that, um, Partner Norton Rose Fulbright, Toronto Office. And my name is Barbara Jess, and I'm the President of Jess and Company Communications and the President of the Empire Club of Canada. Ladies and gentlemen, your head table guests. The smartphone has been one of the major disruptors in the digital revolution. Somewhere recently, a journalist report reported on trying to explain to her young son about landlines, rotary dial-up, and rural party lines. It's hard to remember that the graduation from cellular phones to full-service handheld personal computers with integrated broadband cellular network connection for voice, SMS, and internet data occurred just over a decade ago. Smartphones largely fulfill their users' needs for a telephone, a digital camera, a video camera, a GPS navigation system, a media player, clock, news, calculator, web browser, handheld video gamer, flashlight, compass, address book, and so much more. Our guest today comes to us from TELUS, one of our national telecommunications companies that provides the network that makes all of this possible, unleashing the power of the Internet to deliver services to Canadians at home, in the workplace, and on the move. But TELUS business activities do not stop there. In addition to voice communication, internet access, video computing, and IPTV television, TELUS also is a leading player in advancing healthcare information management so critical to better integrated patient support. Josh Blair is the Chief Corporate Officer at TELUS, where he oversees TELUS Health and Payment Solutions, as well as TELUS Employer Solutions, a leading provider of innovative human resources. He is the chair of TELUS International and leads the TELUS Internet of Things team. Clearly, Josh has a lot on the go, and if all of that isn't enough, he oversees TELUS Ventures, a team dedicated to investing in promising startup companies with innovative technology solutions. Josh, Josh serves on the Board of Governors and Executive Committee for the Business Council of British Columbia and the Governors Council of iCanada. As a strong supporter of TELUS commitment to give where it lives, he serves on the Board of Directors for the Sandbox Project and the Board of Advisors for, for the Cures of 
for Kids Foundation. He is also vice chair of the TELUS Vancouver Community Board. Before we welcome Josh to the stage, we're going to watch a brief video from TELUS Health. is yours. Thank you, Barbara. All right, so who here is a parent? Let's, let's see if you can relate to my story. I remember uh, I first became a dad at the age of 28, and I remember my wife and I driving home, and our little boy, about you know this big, I think, um, was in the back seat, buckled into his car seat. And I think I was driving home at about five kilometers an hour, maybe six. And I remember thinking to myself over and over, I am freaked out. I have no idea what to do, how to raise this child. Um, what am I going to do next? And it would have been so wonderful back then to have something like this free baby health app that we've now rolled out, where I could go to for education on how to raise our newborn where I could record immunization history, or just milestones that our new son was going through as he was growing up. You know, I feel so lucky now that I'm in a role at TELUS where I have the opportunity to bring healthcare technology advancements to life. But what I've realized over the past few years and what I want to talk to you about today is I've learned technology advancements in healthcare are only successful when they're underpinned by both innovation and collaboration. So take this free baby health app by way of example. The innovation comes in the form of this digital app, online education, the ability to record immunizations, have a personal health record for your newborn throughout their life as they grow up. The collaboration comes in the form of we partnered with a company called the Baby Box Company. And what the Baby Box Company does is they work off a finished tradition. And this finished tradition is to provide a box full of baby supplies to new parents to help them through those first few weeks with their newborn. But they also provide a box that doubles as a safe sleeping bassinet for the first few months of the child's life. And we all know how important that is. So you have that nice combination of innovation and collaboration. But let me hit pause for just a moment on this speech. Because when Barbara introduced us, she talked about the telecom industry and all the changes in the telecom industry. And you may be thinking to yourself right now, and it would be a good question, why is this guy from TELUS up on the stage, the telco that we think of around cute critters and all of that, talking to us about healthcare? And as I said, it is a good question. But the answer is quite simple. Much like the Empire Club, our roots go back well to the 1900s, even the 1800s. And over that time, our main objective of a, as a business has been to transmit and store data and information on a secure and reliable basis. And that's exactly what we're doing in the healthcare space too, but we're trying to go a step further, and we're trying to provide better health information to the point of care, 
So the right decisions can be made either by the healthcare professional or by the citizen themselves so that you can get better health outcomes. And ideally, those better health outcomes come with less money spent in the healthcare system. So to this end, at TELUS, we've invested approximately $2 billion over the last decade to build our suite of healthcare solutions. So electronic medical records for doctors, EMRs for short, uh, pharmacy management systems, benefits processing for insurers, for dentists, for extended healthcare professionals, solutions for citizens, you name it. We've built a team of about 1,800 people across the country that make up the TELUS Health division within our company now, and approximately 100 of those are healthcare professionals, so doctors, nurses, pharmacists. So against this backdrop, let me dive into that thesis of healthcare technology advancements needing to be underpinned by innovation and collaboration to be successful. Let me start with our collaboration with physicians across the country. As some of you may know, we're one of the largest providers of EMRs to doctors across the country to run their practices, to store their patient records. And a few years ago, we developed a mobile app version of our EMR. We built charting capability into this. We built schedule review capability into this. And we thought it would allow our doctor clients to get home for a few more meals with their families. Maybe finish off their wrap-up work for the day in the evenings, like so many of us do across so many industries. And that innovation worked in and of itself, so we were pleased with that. But it went further when we started collaborating with the physicians. Because the physician said, you know what, I want to use this app during my day-to-day -day practice with my patients. And the reason they wanted to do that is because they now had the power of the smartphone camera or the tablet camera. And they could take a picture of your sprain or your break or your rash and upload it instantly into their main EMR system. It was a process that was previously very cumbersome for them, very time-consuming for them. So fast forward to today, and we have thousands upon thousands of physicians using this capability, and they tell us that not only does it make them more efficient in their practice, but it allows them to provide more effective care to their patients. But we didn't want to stop there. We didn't want to be the only ones providing innovation to physicians. And so we built a platform that we call the TELUS Health Exchange. And what the TELUS Health Exchange is, is it's basically a platform that's networked across the information technology within the healthcare world. So it connects to doctors' EMRs, it connects to pharmacy management systems, it connects to uh, the benefits claims processing of insurers and extended healthcare providers, to systems that citizens use, and interconnects all of that. And we built it such that it had open APIs. And the reason we did that was so that smaller scale health tech companies in Canada could also innovate. They need to collaborate with us, so their uh, innovations need to pass our security tests, our reliability tests, our privacy tests, but then their innovation can come to life. So let me give you a couple quick examples. Health Myself, a company based here in Toronto, their innovation was to create a patient portal. This allows doctors now to have an online line of communication with their patients, so to share health information with their patients. And when you get that health information shared with you as a patient, you typically take more ownership of it, and you want to see your trends improve. It's almost like gamesmanship, if you will. 
And so a powerful innovation there. Another example is a company called Chronometric. Chronometric's based in Montreal, and they developed scheduling software, which we have across so many aspects of our lives, but often don't in health. And now doctors' patients can book appointments online. They can get notifications if those appointments have moved or if they just need a reminder of when their appointment is. So the power of all of that collaboration and innovation coming together. Now, that TELUS Health Exchange is also at the core of our collaboration with the federal government. So Canada Health InfoWay, many of the team members are here today. I think Michael Green, the president, is here in the room with us. They took on in 2016 a very ambitious project. They said, we're going to look at the 30% of prescriptions that get written in Canada but never get filled. So imagine that, 30% of prescriptions get written in Canada but never get filled. And you can then imagine further what that leads to. That leads to individuals not following their prescribed medication pattern, getting ill, being in the hospital, obviously a poor health outcome for them, and unnecessary burden on our acute care system, which is so expensive for us in this country. And so Canada Health InfoWay, with an innovative mindset, looked around the world, and they said, what are other jurisdictions doing? And what they discovered is there were certain countries that had implemented online prescribing, e-prescribing, and that it was making a huge dent in that 30% of prescriptions, which seems to be a common number, and making it much smaller and allowing better health outcomes as a result. So after an extensive RFP process, uh, we were very pleased and, and very fortunate to be selected. And we were selected, I think, because we brought that TELUS Health Exchange platform to bear. And Canada Health InfoWay then worked with us to start building their prescribe it platform over the TELUS Health Exchange. The platform's already live in communities here in Ontario as well as Alberta. The rollout in Canada is happening so much faster than other parts of the world thanks to this focus on technology advancements through innovation and collaboration. And quite simply enables a doctor, she can prescribe a medication, a prescription directly from her EMR to the pharmacy's pharmacy management system at the pharmacy of the patient's choice. So I'm super excited about this in terms of how this is gonna change healthcare in Canada for the better, less illnesses, less hospitalizations, better health outcomes, and less money spent as a result of less hospitalizations. The federal government's also pursuing technology advancements, innovation, and collaboration through their Superclusters project. And as the lead applicant for Canada's digital technology supercluster, headed out of Vancouver, we were super proud that we were one of the five superclusters picked as, as one of the winning superclusters to move forward with this vision. We're now going to partner with over 250 organizations from the federal government to the public sector to the private sector to the not-for-profit sector to the academic institutions in our area. And we're going to leverage the power of data collection, data analytics, and data visualization productivity breakthroughs in several different industries. In healthcare specifically, we're going to look at the emerging power of genomics. And what we know now through extensive research is if we know your genomic profile and you consent to have your genomic profile known by those who are taking care of you, we can do much better medication for you. We can look based on your genomic profile, there will be prescriptions that you're a poor metabolizer of. So you either need a bigger dosage or you need, that uh, medication won't work for you at all. 
You'll be a normal metabolizer of, of many prescriptions, and so the standard approach works well. And you'll be what I call an uber-metabolizer of some prescriptions, and that can lead to an adverse medical event, something you don't want to have happen. So you probably don't want that prescription or you want it in a very small amount. If you have cancer, we can now map what is the best cancer treatment based on your genomic profile, something that's going to be so powerful. So this is a, a very large-scale collaboration, obviously, to bring this innovation to life, this technology advancement to life. But again, super exciting how we're going to change the face of healthcare through technology underpinned by innovation and collaboration over the next many years. Now, provinces, of course, are also leading the way when it comes to technology advancements underpinned by innovation and collaboration. Obviously, that's the thesis behind Bill Charnetsky being appointed as Ontario's chief health innovation strategist. I think Bill's a great choice in that role. I love how he's approaching it. And I wholeheartedly, in general, applaud this approach. Because I've seen what happens when provinces put their back into leveraging technology to evolve and improve the healthcare system. An example that's near and dear to my heart is in British Columbia, where we're partnering with the province on home health monitoring. And what this solution is, is it's taking an innovative system that we've developed along with collaboration and professional services from British Columbia. And so that someone who's been in the hospital, either with heart failure or with a COPD episode, when they come home, they're equipped with the system and it helps them in their recovery effort. So let's take as an example, someone who's coming home after heart failure. We would equip them with a blood pressure cuff, a pulse oximeter, a weight scale, all of them would be Bluetooth enabled. And so that you can take your measurements two or three times a day, that information go through Bluetooth to a tablet and then be relayed to a central station where you've got a nurse monitoring your progress. So juxtapose that against the previous world where you come home, you're kind of told what to do, how to make sure you get healthy again. You go to see your doctor once a week and perhaps in between those visits, your vital measurements have gone off track and you now need to be re-hospitalized. Unfortunately, quite a common occurrence. With this new approach, with this innovation and collaboration being applied, your measurements are being tracked in real time. And your nurse can work with you and make tweaks to your medication, make tweaks to your sleep patterns, your nutrition, your exercise to get you back on track. And the results have been very inspiring. In one study done by the Vancouver Island Health Authority, 100% of the patients on this system self-reported as being physically healthier by having access to this capability. Amazingly, 41% went on to say, you know what, I feel mentally healthier because I've got peace of mind that someone's with me on this journey. And then Vancouver Island Health Authority looked at financials and they measured that individuals on home health monitoring used the healthcare system on a follow-up basis after returning home 76% less than individuals who didn't have access to the system. And they calculated that that was saving them $12,500 per patient. So what a wonderful example of using technology, underpinned again by innovation and collaboration, to realize better health outcomes and have less money spent by the healthcare system. Now let me close before we uh, open up for any questions you might have, also talking about the not-for-profit sector. And they have an equal role to play and do a great job in terms of 
bringing innovation, collaboration, and thus healthcare technology to life. So a little over a decade ago, Eupopolis was an idea that was presented to us by the Kids Health Links Foundation. It was a very innovative idea, and so we collaborated to bring it to life. What is Eupopolis? It's a safe web space for kids that are hospitalized. It does many, many things for these children, but two that I think are worth highlighting in particular. One is it allows them to access information written in kid-friendly language about their condition and about their treatment process. You can imagine how important that is if you're a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old or a 15-year-old or a 6-year-old going through something and you want to understand in your own language what you're going to go through. And also, equally if not more importantly, it allows these kids to connect with other kids going through similar journeys. Kids across 27 hospitals and health centers across Canada now and growing each and every month and allows these kids to connect, have a bond, have a connection, maybe find a mentor in terms of a child who's further in the journey than they are. And I, you know, I think I could try to do justice with my words on this, but I'd, I'd rather show you a video that really brings it to life. This is my first trip to Toronto, and I'm so excited. I've wanted to meet Katrina for two years now. I'm Katrina Everts, and I have a disease that doesn't allow me to go outside very much. My name's Maggie, and I was born with hip dysplasia. I didn't go to high school, go to prom. I didn't have a normal teenage life like other teenagers had. When I was two, I just didn't really have sockets or hips at all, and I've had eight surgeries since then to repair my hips. Sometimes I feel depressed and lonely when I'm in the hospital. But thanks to Eupopolis, a private, secure social networking site, I met Katrina. Eupopolis helps sick kids connect with each other across Canada. Right there, we can chat, email, blog. When I was in the hospital, every day she would come on and chat with me. We understand each other. We go through the same pain. We deal with the same stress each day, isolation, the surgeries. Having a friend like Katrina has changed me in a million ways. She's just so kind and fun to talk with, and she's been like a big sister to me. So in closing, I would say let's continue to work together to bring healthcare technology advancements to life. Let's make sure we do it through a focus on innovation and collaboration. And in doing so, I truly believe we will realize better health outcomes for all Canadians and do it for less money spent by our healthcare system. Thank you very much. tricky getting through the uh, drilling there. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm so <laughs> no, embarrassed about yeah, that. Nice. My goodness. We'll, we'll have discussions later. <laughs> Josh has agreed to take some questions from the audience. Here's one. <clears throat> Is that 
Hi. Uh, quick question about the supercluster, especially the TELUS-led one, and we're involved with some of the others too. And I think uh, success in collaboration really depends on culture in part. And also agility around getting agreements done, sharing risk, managing risk. How do you feel about the culture piece in Canada? Do you see positive parameters around collaboration that can make it successful? And if there is work to do, how can we improve that part of our culture? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question. Um, you know, my first observation would be when we started building uh, the team around the Canada Digital Technology Supercluster, I've never seen collaboration of that magnitude, um, at least in Western Canada, which is where we are headquartered, and now we've become national with everyone who's wanted to join the supercluster. So I think that bodes well. I think that means there is an undercurrent, a want to come together and to do things that, you know, as individual companies or universities or not-for-profits, we, we couldn't do alone. I know, uh, by way of example, the Terry Fox Foundation is super excited about what we'll do together on the example that I, that I talked about. Um, that said, the task ahead is a tough one. So, you know, getting 200, and I think it's now 270 organizations just in our supercluster to collaborate, to work together well, um, is, is a huge task. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head. The most important part of whether this is going to work or fail is going to be culture. And so what culture can we build into this organization? And so um, for a few of us um, who are effectively the working executive committee of the supercluster, our first thought is it all comes down to who's the leadership to build that culture. So we've had underway even before we knew whether we would be a winner or not, just in case maybe if we were a winner, we've had a CEO search underway. And, and we think we've got to get the right leader and the right team under them in order to build that culture. Obviously, we have to have the right board and the right governance practices, but you know, to make something that complex and comprehensive work uh, is going to be all about culture. And, and you know, culture's hard work. I, I can tell you, just putting my TELUS hat back on for a moment, uh, you know, we worked hard at evolving our culture when our new CEO, Darren Entwistle, came in in the year 2000. And I don't think we could say we were satisfied with what we built until probably a dozen years later. So it, it's hard work, and it takes a lot of thought, it takes a lot of purpose, and it's not just about words on paper and value statements. It's about how does your organize, uh, organization operate day in and day out? What are your norms? What are your practices? How do you check in with all levels of the organization, et cetera? So I think, I think the core um, want is there in Canada, and it's a matter of how do we bring it to life. But yeah, a lot of work ahead. Good question. I love your emphasis on stories, and I always say that stories really help tell the why, and the why is about people. And at risk of shooting myself in the foot, I'm from the most innovative university in the country, <clears throat> um, but to me, technology and innovation are the how. The people are the why. So from your perspective, what's the barrier? Where do we fall down in terms of better talking about the why and talking about the how through the why? Yeah, great, great question. Um, because you've coached me on this, I'm going to use a story to answer your question. Um, I, I think, you know, and there's a lot of people in here who know this far better than me, but from my observation, our healthcare system is so taxed and so stretched, and we've got healthcare professionals who are working to the point of exhaustion to get stuff done. It's hard to put new things into the system. 
I remember, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful example I shared on home health monitoring in British Columbia, but I remember when I first went to the Minister of Health and talked to him about the idea, the concept that we would like to do, he said to me, Josh, you know what? It sounds very neat. It sounds very powerful. I get the why. I get that it would be better for the people of British Columbia. My challenge is I'm in the process of building two new hospitals. I've got to implement a thousand new emergency rooms in my existing hospitals or emergency beds in my existing hospitals. I probably need to hire 600 new nurses and the doctors want a 5% raise and I've got pretty much zero bargaining power against them and I've got a 2% budget increase and I would need a 15% budget increase to afford what I just said. So he said, you know, as oxymoronic as it sounds, I don't believe I can free up the money to invest in innovation. Um, and, and so, you know, we had to find a creative solution where, where TELUS could largely front some initial pilots and some initial trials and prove out the health outcomes, the why, um, that I talked about in, in, my, in my speech. And then that made the difference. Then the minister was able to say, okay, now I've got the proof. Now I can take this to cabinet. Now we can roll this out across the province. So, uh, you know, I, I think the health system is just so busy so focused, so taxed, that we've got to come up with really creative ways to show that innovation through collaboration, get the results. So start small, you know, and often when I'm talking, another angle I will go on when I'm talking to teams is start your innovations small scale. Like they don't have to be big bang out of the gate. Prove them. A bunch will fail and then sunset them. And for the ones that succeed, then expand those out, scale them out further. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's a great question and tough one to tackle, but worth tackling. So we developed a uh, remote monitoring solution similar to yours, and um, we're in talks right now with the province and uh, local hospitals. One of the biggest concerns for adoption is risk management. So back to the elderly person with a cuff, uh, when you're allowing or enabling a hospital to be able to see a heart palpitation, for example, uh, that will lead to a stroke or a heart attack. And uh, the concern from risk management perspective is, okay, um, how fast did the hospital respond? And if they did not and heart attack actually happened, who's liable? How did you address that in uh, BC? Well, I, I, I'd love to say it's much better in, in, in different, but I, I, I think the risks and the, the liabilities, it, it took us two years to legally work that out between ourselves and the province of BC. So I, I think those worries are there in whatever jurisdiction you're working in. Um, and I just think, you know, it takes what I would call a coalition of the willing to get through it and figure it out and think of all the different permutations and then bring it to market. and. You know, I, I would go back to the last question and just say, let's remember to focus on the why versus the, the what or the how, and then, and then that propels you, that gives you the energy and the enthusiasm to, to get to end game on it. But uh, yeah, you're right, you know, it's, there's a lot of, uh, of those sorts of risk management ideas and thoughts and worries to work through. Questions about um, big data and, and health and analytics, and, and I think a lot of what you're talking about is so exciting in terms of you know putting together the genomic data with with prescriptions and and you know combining pieces of data that might otherwise in the past have been in different places and, and that you can't leverage. But I guess one of the concerns that goes along with that is you know once all that data is under one roof, you know what if my insurer is looking at my genomic data and saying, well, 
you know, maybe you're predisposed to this condition, and so the, the amount that you're going to pay to insure against it is, is much higher. And, and once all that data is in one place, it, you know, the concern about it being shared with, with different people or used for different purposes kind of increases. So I'm wondering how you think about that in particular as a company that is kind of the one roof that a lot of the data is going underneath. Yeah, another great question. Um, you know, for years when we've built data-based systems, data analytic-based systems, um, at first, if you went back 10 years ago, you focused on reliability by design. So how can you make sure the uptime is going to be there, the reliability is going to be there right from the get-go? You know, and then kind of in that 10 to 5-year-ago window, we started focusing on privacy by design. How do you build privacy into your systems right from the get-go? I think what you're hitting on now, and it's the, it's the next uh, by design we're working on, is consent by design. So how do you give the user the ability to control their consents right from the get-go? So if you think of a genomic profile or even a personal health record, giving the citizen the option to say, I want my doctor to be able to see this information or not. I want my doctor to be able to upload information into my personal health record or not. I want my pharmacist to see this or not, my health insurance company to see it or not. I want my um, kids who take care of me uh, to see this information or not. And so building that capability, that consent by design into your systems right up front is going to be critically important to develop the trust that we need to have to make any of this work out. So, yeah, great point. Uh, you've clearly built TELUS Health into an important part of overall TELUS. And one of the constituencies that finds it very hard to find out about TELUS Health is your investor constituency. And it was a bit of a surprise to the markets when you monetized the portion of the equity interest in TELUS International. And the street said, oh my God, that's a billion dollar business. So I'm curious as to what corporate objective is served by not providing more disclosure about the TELUS Health business. Well, this is great. It's an IR meeting now. <laughs> you know, and... and we're, we're, we've pretty much doubled the value of TELUS International since, if you're interested, so I, we can take that offline. Um, you know, we, uh, I, I would say at this point, we feel TELUS Health is that much more core to our business than, than TELUS International. Um, and, you know, TELUS International has been a wonderful business for us. We've been able to return billions of dollars back into our networks in Canada, into our, into our, our health systems in Canada. With TELUS Health, we feel like there's a lot more work to be done. Um, before we would even consider whether we might uh, increase disclosure or bring in a partner or monetize an aspect of it. So I think you'll see TELUS Health be a core part of who TELUS is for many years to come. But um, I also know where you're coming from. We've got lots of investors who would like more disclosure on TELUS Health. So at this point, we've committed to providing annual disclosure on TELUS Health, but not yet quarterly disclosure on TELUS Health. And we feel that's the right balance between the two. It's a great comment. Anyone else? Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> At the Emperor Club, we're so proud of our tradition of bringing important dialogue like this to our podium. And while we do have some staff, and they're absolutely amazing, uh, this wouldn't be possible without a wonderful board of directors, and I'm so grateful to Andrea Wood for organizing this lunch and bringing this, uh, this to us. Thank you so much. 
It also wouldn't be possible for us to do this without sponsors because events like this are major undertakings. And so we're so grateful to our sponsors, both to Norton Rose Fulbright and to Oracle, because it just we couldn't make this happen without your support. So thank you so much to all of you. I'd also like to thank MediaEvents.ca, Canada's online event space, for webcasting today's event for thousands of viewers around the world. Also, thank you to National Post as our print sponsor and to Toronto Life as our media sponsor. Although our club has been around since 1903, we have moved into the 20th century, 21st century and we're active on social media. Follow us at Twitter, on Twitter at Empire underscore Club and visit us online at www.empireclub.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Finally, please join us at our next event, scheduled for April the 13th, featuring University President's panel, The Future of Education at the Arcadian Court in Toronto. Thank you so much for joining us today, and this meeting is now adjourned. <laughs>